Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Business Day, My Family, My Business podcast. Today we are pleased to have Ezine Wazulu, um, CEO and founder of 234 Finance, but she also works in a family business, um, Nepal, the, the Nepal Group. Um, welcome, Ezine. I'd like to start off by asking you to tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, Voke. Thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. My name is Ezine Wanzulu, um, a business developer. Um, for the past, I would say, 10 years, I've been in business development in different industries. Um, I went to school in Dalhousie. Dalhousie is a university in Canada. And from there, I took up a job. Well, I moved to Toronto for a year to work and that didn't exactly, you know, didn't last that long. And from there, I had an opportunity to work in an oil trading company in Geneva. And I did that for about almost two years as an intern. And from there, I worked in the bank. I worked in Sterling Bank. I helped set up the private banking unit in Sterling Bank. I did that for, for three years before joining my family business in 2017. It's been a lot of bumps and ups and downs where it's been quite uh, an interesting journey, if I may say so, myself. Okay, that's that, that's pretty interesting. So can you tell us about your family business? So we, we have in Nepal Oil and Gas, our main business is trading. So we do downstream warehousing, distribution, of petroleum products, so refined petroleum products, PMS, AGO, ATK. For those who don't know, PMS is the petrol used for a vehicle, AGO is your diesel, ATK is aviation fuel, and um, DPK is dual purpose kerosene. So we have storage facilities that we store these products in large quantities, and we also have um, we have an aviation terminal, so we do interplane into fueling. So we fuel both the local airlines and the international airlines. Um, we also have trucks, so we have, you know, we do some logistics as well to move products from point A to point B. What else do we do? Um, we also, two years ago, we ventured into retail because we've realized that, you know, the in- industry has gotten to a place where if you're not servicing the last mile, you're actually going to struggle. And that's the unit that I helped set up and I'm still currently in. So we have over 11 stations and counting. We have a goal to have a minimum of 50 stations by the end of next year. So the business you know, is growing quite rapidly. And uh, we have some upstream interest as well. And we're also exploring um, opportunities that would position us globally, you know, as an energy player. Mm, that's pretty interesting. Um, I know you touched on your role um, just by, you know, and while you were answering the previous question. Can you just tell us a bit more about your role and how you got involved with the family business? Uh, okay, so it's a pretty interesting my journey in the family business has been pretty interesting with a lot of um, ups and downs. So I joined, I first joined the family business in 2017, you know, working on that business development. 
and not really understanding because you know it's really hard to manage what you don't understand so i had just you know left sterling bank i had resigned from sterling bank and you know my mother thought that it would be you know a great opportunity to finally you know get involved in the family business and i actually started with a very high position without really understanding the foundation of you know and the dynamics of that particular business so i came you know with this mentality of wanting to change everything wanting to put structure in place felt like ah, these, these people don't know what they are doing how can you know i was focusing on the things that were not they were important but they were not the most important thing and it was very tricky because my mother and i we have such a we're like friends we're like sisters you know my mother had me quite young so we have like a an interesting dy- dynamic so it was very you know strange to move from mother and daughter to uh boss and employee and i didn't really know how to manage that so we were bumping heads a lot because i would you know so to her she felt like you're coming to my organization to give me orders and tell me how to do this when i've grown i've literally grown this business from scratch so we were having a lot of conflict to be honest and it just got you know very toxic that at some point I actually left for a couple of months to focus on 234 finance and you know build you know just focus on that and that was you know it was premature to do that but at that time that was what I felt was needed to be done and I had also just had my twins my twins were just a couple of um months old so it was a lot to put in my plate and because Nepal is so dynamic we have over 10 subsidiary companies under the group so you know i was trying to like get in to everything at the same time and i'll i'll remember my mom said this to me constantly that zini just take on one you know one part of the business and understand that part of the business thoroughly than to try to attack everything and you know it was very frustrating for me at the time because i felt like i was doing so much but my efforts weren't being recognized because my mom really wasn't feeling the impact of what i was doing because i was just trying to take on so much so it's it's almost like a prodigal daughter kind of story because you know i left and i was like you know what i'm going to do my own thing you know got an office in lekki you know I was trying to form independent entrepreneur and you know that period like my relationship with my mom was so strained because you know she just didn't understand why i just wasn't getting it and i wasn't being realistic so you know i had my uh my events which you know about the mentor matchup challenge that year and i was very optimistic for the following year we had investors you know commit to help us back um startups because you know two three four finance we promote um, entrepreneurship and try to you know get um entrepreneurs funding to scale up their businesses that's essentially what we do at two three four finance so unfortunately covid happened and you know when covid happened a lot of people had to start managing their resources and you know a lot of the investors that had discussed with didn't quite come through on their promises and you know it just almost felt like okay you know we need to come back to reality and it was time to, you know a lot was just happening like it felt like a disaster at the time 
and I needed to know, okay, what is the next thing that I'm going to do? And, you know, my my office, I couldn't afford to pay my rent again. So it was almost looking like, okay, you know, you're not that young. You have three children. You have to figure a life out. And I remember my brother, my immediate younger brother coming to talk to me and saying that, listen, you know what, there's different. If you don't want to go back to Nepal because of the trauma and, you know, all the drama that happened, why don't you come and work, come and do, you know, manage one of the smaller businesses you know and one thing that is interesting i would like to say about my my mother and how she's created a lot of her businesses is that these businesses feed into the other businesses you know so i'll give you an example if for instance nepal needs they have travel needs the my mom is such a serial entrepreneur that she would rather create a business within the group that would service that need so that the, that money that you're paying for that service is not going outside. So that's how a lot of these businesses have been, you know, built. So the subsidiary businesses are more or less there to support the needs of the oil and gas company, which is, you know, our main business. So I decided to handle the uh, insurance brokerage company, which is like one of the smallest so it literally felt like a prodigal daughter situation and the office that I was working at was not even in the main building but at the back so I just wanted to come to work and nobody noticed me that I was you know even working there because of all the drama that had happened and um, I started I remember I started working I think February of 2020 and you know I was handling the insurance and I was just trying to you know give it my best shot and just avoid getting into any drama or any, you know, any um, any issue with anyone. And coincidentally, um, that was when we were starting. My mom had decided to herself that, okay, she wanted to go retail. And, you know, if you speak to my mom about retail, anyone that knows retail station business, it's a, it's a very stressful business to do. There's so many moving parts. There's so many ways you can lose money. You know, it's just, you know, it's just a business that if people in oil and gas can avoid, they would avoid it. But the industry had gotten to a point where if you're, if you're a player in oil and gas and you're not doing retail station business, which is to the last mile, then, you know, in no time you'll be out of business, basically. So she was like, you know what? She needs to set this retail arm and she can't, it can't just be anyone that can, you know, that she can trust to set that business up. So why don't I leave the insurance thing and help her set up the retail station business? I remember this is me that has no experience whatsoever in oil and gas, you know, minus the couple of years that I had worked prior to, you know, leaving to focus on my own thing. So it was very, very, you know, it was very challenging, but we literally started small. So it started with one station, um, our Egbeda station, that we launched August of 2020. I had absolutely no idea. I was literally learning on the job. I remember coming to the office and I'll look so de defeated because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? So it took a lot of, you know, coming down from my high horses and working with people, you know, in the industry, you know, trying to understand and understudy people and being resourceful enough to learn and you know the business was a business that nobody was really paying attention to 
as far as the volume of product that we were moving. And, you know, it's so interesting that two years after, this is the business that is being prioritized the most in the entire group. And I would say, you know, a lot has happened, a lot of growing and learning has happened along the way. Mm, it's interesting that you highlighted um, family feuds, which I find um, to be a very common thing in uh, most family businesses. So do you have, first, do you, how did you deal with the family feud with, you know, with your mom? How did you deal with your, with, with your mom? How did you settle? And then what advice do you have for, for people or for young people who have the same situation with their um, parents? In the family business so so first thing is first right my mother and i were in two different generations right i would consider myself a millennial and i'll consider her a gen x and how we do things are typically very different so my mom she's not you know she would rather be behind the scenes and just make things happen and for me i'm more like you know what you need to put yourself out there and, you know, you need to be in the eye, you know, strategically, of course. So it was very different. It was very difficult for her to conform to my ideas of doing things. So what I had to do, it was very difficult. And I don't know how many people are able to handle, you know, that kind of dynamic, especially because we're more or less like friends. My mom is like my best friend. So I had to also learn that I needed to separate. It's very difficult, but it's something that I'm still learning. And I know that I've, I've made a lot of progress in, you know, separating that, okay, if mom is shouting at me, she's my boss in that moment. And, you know, understanding that, you know, you can't take things too personal. I can be very emotional. I can be, I can be very sensitive. And, you know, a couple of years ago, if, you know, my mom is speaking to me because I feel the need to be heard, I am responding back and of course it's the wrong thing to do because then nobody gets hurt because because you're responding back it's now perceived as being rude or being arrogant or whatever you want to call it so over time i've had to also understand her as a boss and understand how to bring things to her and you know also listen to her as well listen to okay this are her expectations and these are how she wants things to be done because you know sometimes as an md you know you can be very authoritative in how you want things done and even though what you're saying may not be the right thing but being the md you want you know instru your instructions to be followed and let it be that okay the instruction was followed and it was the wrong way of doing it or it was an error but at least you've given an instruction it has to be followed so i've also learned you know to take to not take things for granted and to you know see it as an opportunity to also learn and i think it has been it's it's been very interesting but you know i've also had to do a lot of internal workings within myself to also adjust you know my approach and also know what is important per time i remember when i had joined you know i was so you know i was so particular about the branding the look and feel of the brand and the brand perception and my mom's focus was and still is profitability, right? So a lot of the things, like I came and I was like, you know what, the power, we need to rebrand. You can't use this logo anymore. You know, I was trying to 
push for things that to her were not the most important things, right? But what I realized is that as I focused on what is more important to her, which is the profitability, and she's seen it in the output, she's seen it in the in the volume we're pushing, the volume of products we're selling, it becomes easier for her to buy into those other things. So for me, I've also had to, I've, like I said, I've had to learn, you know, to to focus on what's the most important thing for the organization and knowing the best time to push those things. And, you know, as I focus on the most important things, I'm also on the side able to push other things that I think are important and get, you know, a listening ear. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next question I'd like to um, I'd like to ask you um, would be in reference to a book um, that I came across recently by the writer Christine Keffeler. The title of the book is The Myth of the Silver Spoon. And in that book, the writer talks about the fact that um, today's next generation affluence face anxieties, pressures, and predicaments uh, coming from you know, um, the families that they come from. So there's that pressure to succeed. Do you feel that pressure to succeed and not falling short of your family expectations? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you... So the thing is, I would say, so for me, I'm I'm the first child. I'm the first child, first girl. And... um, my parents set a very high precedent for us. And you know, the Nigeria that we're in today wasn't the Nigeria that our parents, you know, were in. In terms of even the opportunities they had access to, you know, the the situation of the country and all of that. You know, they started business when things were still fairly okay, you know, as far as the economy and all of that. However, they had their own challenges, of course, in their time, but they made it work. And, you know, my parents are very successful, and I'm saying this with all humility, both my, my, you know, my mom and my dad. So for us, you know, as their children, we feel like we have very huge shoes to fill. And fortunately, as far as, you know, you can use the word silver spoon kids, the way we were raised, we were raised to be super grounded and to be, you know, super realistic and to understand that life is very tough and it's very hard to make even one couple, you know. So that also kind of keeps us on our toes and to know that nothing is going to be handed over to us. So at every, you know, opportunity that, I've been, that has been given to, that I've gotten, I've had to grab it with my two hands and I've got, and, and I've had to earn the respect, you know, of my, even my subordinates and, you know, my management, my MD to have my voice heard. So I'd say that the shoes are too, they're, they're really, they're really heavy shoes because, you know, you have interactions with people and they feel like, oh, this person doesn't even know what suffering, you know, what suffering means or whatever. So I find that I have to work twice or four times as hard just to make people understand that see i'm not your average rich kid or spoiled brat you know and that has also included even exploring things and you know me trying to you know me opening you know other business ventures outside of my family because somehow i feel the need to prove myself that see 
it's not just because I'm in Nepal. Like even if I'm not in Nepal, I'll succeed regardless, and I can stand on my own. And I think for even my parents, that's like their ultimate goal for their kids to be, you know, to be independent outside of them. And that has had to mean, you know, working your, you know, not just relaxing or depending on okay, we're a family business, so everything is all jolly. But you know, having to put in the work and to just, you know, be very business uh, oriented as well. Mm. And so, for families, so family businesses to survive, um, you know, through uh, different generations, there are clearly unique characteristics. Um, such as succession management, staffing, family affairs, strategy planning and governance structure. I mean, things that set family businesses apart from other business types. Um, and so what this means is that you face very particular challenges in survival and sustainability. So what would you say is the Nepal way of doing business? What unique characteristics set your company apart? and ensure that your company is successful? Um, that's an interesting question. So you're asking me if I understand what is the Nepal culture? Exactly. So there are things that Nepal puts a lot of importance on. And I think that has, because in this industry, a lot has happened. Subsidy has come and has gone. You know, a lot of people that were, that. Nepal met in the industry some a lot of them have left they've not been able to survive and one thing I would say with Nepal is that there's there's this uh, phrase my mom says that we you know the management to make a joke out of it she says follow the money you know that's a phrase so I would say that's very much part of um, Nepal culture be keep your keeping your eyes on the price you know then one Nepal is, it's a big company, but it's also a small company in terms of our structure, in terms of our flexibility. You know, we're able to, it's a very um, fast-paced work environment in such a way that if you're not, even as an employee at the very junior level, if you're unable to keep up with that pace, you would not survive being in Nepal and transactions would just be flying you would just be flying by you so and i think you know my mom's personality because you really cannot separate a business from the founder and my mom is a risk taker very bullish i mean over the years she's had she's learned very hard lessons because she's lost so a lot of money doing business so you know she's more careful but notwithstanding she's very much a risk taker so you'd see nepal you know where you'd see i don't know how to explain this but where you would expect only giants to be somehow Nepal is somewhere in that thing, somehow, you know. So I would say, like, we have, you know, this culture where we're so quick to, there are not so much bureaucracies that we're not able to take opportunities when we see them. And it very much feels like a family environment because, you know, there's this thing that, you know, you spend most of your time with your colleagues, you know, if you think about, you know, the work environment. So we try to create this sort of atmosphere where everybody feels like they're part of a family. And when you feel like you're part of a family, you're willing to go above and beyond to make sure, you know, things don't go wrong in that family setting. 
So you see people actually going above and beyond to get things done, even if that doesn't that is not your direct job description. So that's something I, I also see find in Nepal that you'll find someone who has an official role, but they have things if maybe they have a skill set that a different department needs, you know, they are all there's always that willingness within the organization for people to lend their skills to doing things that may not necessarily be their job um, description. They were also very conservative. So when I say conservative, as far as spending and putting ourselves out there, so and which is actually a culture that I'm somehow trying to change, because yes, in my mom's generation, is it worked? Because I mean, if you if you're calling, you know, the top three women in oil and gas, it's very difficult to not call, you know, Nepal. But interestingly enough, you don't really see us out there in the media. And that's something that I'm trying to change because, of course, media is, you know, publicity is a double-edged sword. But now we're in the retail space, so you really can't, we really can't avoid being, you know, out there if we want to actually sell our oil or our petroleum product. So that's, you know, that's something, you know, you don't really see us out there. So, you know, when, how do I put this now? You know, there are companies that what they put out, like their packaging is actually more than what they actually have as far as, you know, their assets or their capacity and all of that. Nepal is actually the opposite. We have so much going on, you know, as a group, but only maybe a fraction of it is out there. And because our business started as a B2B, when I say B2B, you know, serve, you know, trading bulk product and not really in the retail so it's only people in the industry that know about us but now that we've gone retail you know people are beginning to identify with the nepal brand so yeah that's what i'll say about um, nepal culture okay so how have you implemented the use of technology in the business did you get any pushbacks from your from your mother in this case um, as far as technology, no, I didn't get any pushbacks because it's something that we all know is very important, especially when you're running retail stations. You need to think about automation if you're trying to do anything at scale. So we, we do use technology to monitor our, um, our operations. We use um, an ERP for posting and, you know, for monitoring sales. We use um, something called a forecourt management system for tracking sales of our petroleum products at our retail outlets. We use something called an ATG, which is um, an automated tank gauge. I believe that's what it's called to basically check the volume of um, products being stored in our underground tank. And we have an in internal control department that also, you know, makes sure there are checks and balances in place. So yeah, you absolutely cannot do, uh, you can't do without um, technology. So it's something that we are all aware of, even though, you know, I wish the pace could be a bit faster, but we're, we're slowly getting there, you know, making sure all our systems and processes are automated and monitored and tracked. And also data collection is something that I'm also pushing. What I've also realized, um, sorry to just kind of go a bit off track, is that all the ideas I have, because I'm a, I'm a techie, Right. I believe so much in technology. I've seen technology being used to make life so easy and, you know, especially in the workplace. But I'm also learning how to work with everybody's pace because 
you know, when everyone is carried along, then it becomes easier, you know, to implement um, some of those, um, you know, leading technology, digital transformation, basically within the company. But we're, 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 we're implementing it. And I believe that um, Nepal Retail is setting a standard that would be, that would be duplicated across, you know, our different businesses. Okay, so do you think that um, that owners, that the owners of businesses staying in the fam of staying in the family business, is a source of um, competitive advantage, you know, versus hiring a professional business manager? Mm, it depends. So what I'll say, what I'll put at the forefront, it, it depends. It depends on the individual. What I'll put at the at number one priority is competence right having competent hands and having people with the best intentions because i'm sure you've heard stories of you know people in family businesses you know with the feuds and someone trying to cheat the owner of the business maybe a brother a sister or a child so it's competent and it's having also a balance of both because when something is a family business your family business like as with me it's very personal you know what i mean it's very personal in terms of um me going above and beyond because this thing belongs to me or at some point or oh, i'm a stakeholder let me not say it belongs to me but i'm a stakeholder so for me it has to work however it, it doesn't always work so in my own situation, I've had to earn trust of, you know, of my mother, of my COO. My COO is my aunt. So my mother's sister is also in the business. She's, I would say she's the number two person. And it was also, it's been, it's been difficult, you know, working with the both of them. But with time, I've also been working on myself and understanding the business, understanding what is important and earning their trust. And as I earn their trust and I, you know, I earn their respect as far as my ability to deliver in my role, more um, responsibilities are given to me. So it's not something that it's not an entitlement. You know, I'm not entitled to responsibility just because, you know, um, the MD's daughter, I've had to work twice as hard. And what, you know, in the office, I say it as a joke that my mom, like in management meeting, she doesn't do it anymore anyways, but she's always the toughest at me. And the reason she does that is she uses it as a way to send a signal to others that, listen, if I can be this, you know, brutal with my daughter, then who are you? So it kind of keeps everybody on their toes because they're like, ah, if Madame's daughter is getting the hardest heat, you know, can get in trouble for this. I mean, what there was something that happened about a month ago where one of our stations stocked out, and it's like it's zero policy in our, you know, in our SOP that under no circumstance do you go out of stock. That your station goes dry because that's the fastest way to kill a retail business. And you know what she did? She took a chunk of my salary that's based on that stock out. I was mad. I was furious. But that was her way of, you know, just sort of using that iron hand to, to send a message. Because, and I wasn't, it wasn't even my fault. It was people working under me. But because it happened under my watch, 
she held me responsible for it and you know i don't want my salary to ever be because the salary we're managing it as it is you know so because of that you know my team and i were like we can't we do everything possible except maybe you know it's a force major situation where okay maybe there's no product or something that is clearly beyond our control we do everything you know possible to make sure we don't stock out Mm-hmm. So yeah, back to your question, it's just, you know, about competence and about having that balance of putting people, because you can also find very good talent and good people, genuine people that have good interests, even if they're not necessarily related to family. And if you think of some family businesses, you see that the founder doesn't, if the founder doesn't see their child or their hair competent or, have, or you know, with the capacity to run that business, they put somebody else. Because that business is their child. That business is their brainchild. And they're not going to give it to somebody that is going to run it down. You know, so at the end of the day, is who can do the job. And, you know, that's who gets the job. Okay. So, how do, you, okay. so how do you think next generation um, family business leaders can create legitimacy around their positions in their family businesses? Like, how do they earn the respect of their peers? Not just because they are Oga or Madame's child. Should focus be on the farm or the farmer, and then how can you even manage resentment within the business? Because because you 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 probably might be faced with a situation where people may look at you, um, and say you probably have certain privileges or certain rights just because you are Oga or Madame's child, not because you are competent, you know, to do the job. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how? What would be your advice to next generation family business leaders? you know, to create legitimacy around their positions. Okay. Their family business. So, so my advice would be, one, you have to be, you have to be honest with yourself, first of all, to know what you're good at and what your shortcomings are. I am very well aware of what my shortcomings were when I started running a retail business. And if you know what your shortcomings are, then who are you willing to work with that can fill those gaps for you? So one thing that I did, and I'll give myself a little pat on the back, was I was very intentional about building relationships within the organizations. Within the organization, you need to understand that there are, there are people there before you, right? So if you come with this Oga, Madame, Madame's daughter mentality, you're going to end up looking ridiculous because these people understand the politics because work there's also work politics right they understand the trap that they can set for you that you look highly incompetent they understand most importantly they understand the business so this thing where they say you stood to conquer this was what i've had to do and i am still doing you know and it's not forever you just need to understand that you know you just need a period to, for you to learn so if you have a hat of you know what i'm coming i'm bringing myself down i don't even care if um, Madame or Oga's daughter or not, I just want to learn this business. You're going to do what it takes to learn the business. So what I've had to do is to build relationships. I have in my organization, I have so many friends, you know, and they know that Zimi is approachable. And I don't have any airs like, oh, I'm Madame's daughter. I am so, I am so laid back because these are the people I spend. I spend more time with them than my family. You know what I mean? And I need them to make my life easier. And, you know, it's very important to know 
to see, you know, teamwork is very important to me. So I identify the people because there are people that are, that are good at certain things and there are people that have been designated for certain roles. And you need to work with those people. You need to under you need to understand. And it's not something that happens overnight. You know, starting the power retail, I had no clue. I didn't know anyone in the industry. We were making so many mistakes. But from those mistakes, we've been learning from the mistakes. We've been growing from the mistakes. And we, it's, you know, it's gotten us so far. And something that I've, I always do is I give people their credit. It's such a big thing for me. I mean, I worked in an organization, you know, I worked in Sterling Bank where, you know, it's so easy to get lost in, in, in the system because it's such a big organization, right? And you'll be doing work and somebody else is getting credit for it. So it's something that I take very personally. So what I do, what I've done in Nepal is, and that has also earned the respect of my colleagues, my subordinates, is I give people their credit. And because I am MD's daughter, to an extent, I have I have her ears. You know, I have access to her where people don't have access to her. In her bedroom, you know, offline, you know, there are just some accesses. So I use it to also empower other people. So if, if there's an opportunity for me to say, oh, MD, by the way, this person is doing a good job. He's really good at this thing. You should pay attention to it. You know, I just kind of shine the light on those people. And it helps them in their career because, you know, it, for if there's an opportunity to, for them to be promoted, you know, they are, they are more visible and I'm helping them. So I also, you know, I also look at it as it's it's a negotiation. It's, it's an exchange. So help me make my job easier and I'll help you grow because I do have that. I, I've been positioned to where, you know, if I say what I say carries a lot of weight. So I'm also very careful about what I say and how I portray my colleagues because at the end of the day, I need these people to help me, you know, perform at my job. So that's how I've uh, managed you know, subordinates and, you know, even my management. Okay, so that's that's very interesting.